Hello and welcome to part three. We're halfway through our deep talks with Derek. In our next section, we're going to dive into empathy. 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 So I'm going to let Derek start this talk here um, about empathy. It's a very, I think empathy is a very important topic. Um, I think it's something that a lot of people are fascinated with, whether you have it or if you don't. It's a fascinating topic in itself. Um, Is it learned? Are you born with it? Who knows? And so with empathy, it's one of those words that I think is kind of tossed around a little too much. Maybe people just, uh, they say it because they heard it one time or just whatever, but the real understanding of empathy is simply compassion. Mm -hmm. It's compassion to others and just, um, it's like you just take it upon yourself to alleviate their pain. You know, it's kind of like a roundabout definition of, of just empathy is just putting yourself in the, uh, in the place or the position of others and just to accept their pain and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so empathy is just compassion. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I could go on and on and on, but just that compassion is, I think that nowadays and not only just with social media, but with just things in general of everyday life is just we're kind of numb to compassion towards other people. We are. And towards their their pain or their suffering or something that they're dealing with. And I think it's best that we should maybe get back on track with that and just help people through maybe things, hardships that that they're dealing with. And it only takes a minute. It only takes a minute to say, you know, maybe some people may be, okay and open to the fact of letting you know maybe their vulnerabilities or what they're dealing with or whatever and other people are not and that's just fine Mm -hmm. but at the same time just being sensitive enough to that and just realizing that if I come here and I realize that you are not how you normally are Mm -hmm. and then I say you know maybe not trying to bring everything out of you but just say hey December look I'll take care of this. You know, don't worry about this. I got mm-hmm. you, you know, on this. Just just kind of feeling out that you are dealing with something or that you're not necessarily upset, but that you just need a little more, uh, just a, need a little more caring in a certain way is just, that's just being empathetic to you. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we can be strong. People are strong in general, I will say, a lot of times and, and maybe in times that, you may not even know that people are struggling with something is you just need to be empathetic. Just be understanding that on a day-to-day basis, maybe not everybody is as strong as they were the day before or the month before or the week before. And so being empathetic to other people's uh, situations and what they're dealing with is just wholesome. It just means something to them. Mm -hmm. So when a person is dealing with something that they may not be able to explain, they may not be able to express and I'm not trying to just throw the word around a lot, but in, being empathetic, it just matters so much more than what you can even realize. Maybe bringing them a uh, a meal or bringing them a bottle of wine, bottle of wine? or uh, opening the door for someone or, uh, you know, maybe you're in line at a gas station or whatever and you're you're fixing to get yourself a pizza or a, a monster or a drink or whatever. And maybe that person is short. 25 cents, a uh, dollar 50, whatever, 
just go ahead and saying, oh, I got it. Yeah. It's just being empathetic to other people. And their situation. And it just, in their situation. And you don't have to know, you don't have to share mm-hmm. this big uh, paragraph of, you know, I was going to do this, I wanted to do this, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It just matters in the appreciation and just being the moment that you give a shit, that you care about them and about whatever you may not even know. You just mm-hmm. care. So that's that's what just I'm just trying to express and being empathetic in other people's situation. You know, it's interesting. I did not know this, but um, empathy is divided into three types. So there's cognitive, emotional, and compassionate. Absolutely. And so each of them have kind of their own definition. And so it's um, cognitive empathy is um, by definition simply knowing how the other person feels and what they might be thinking, sometimes called perspective taking. And that's the official definition by Daniel Goleman, who's a renowned psychologist and author of the 1995 book Emotional Intelligence. So what cognitive empathy is concerned with is thought, understanding, intellect. Um, It benefits people in that it helps in negotiations, motivating other people and understanding diverse viewpoints. Um, the pitfalls of which who knew that there could be pitfalls, em- empathy, right? Sure. All my empaths are like, there's a lot of pitfalls. Um, pitfalls to cognitive empathy in particular are you can be d- disconnected from or ignore deep emotions um, that don't put you in another sh- that if they, if those emotions don't put you um, in another shoes, it's hard for you to feel it. Mm. Um, so that's cognitive empathy. Um, emotional empathy by definition by um, Daniel uh, Goleman from the previous definition is when you feel physically along with the other person as though as their emotions were contagious. So when someone you're with someone and they're crying and you can feel their pain in your heart, that's by definition emotional empathy. And I can also say like maybe it's in laughter as well, just you know, when yes. it's when it's just All you just emotions. really feel it, absolutely. All like, very good emotion. So it's um, it's feelings, physical sensations, mirror neurons in the brain, um, and it helps close interpersonal relationships and absolutely. careers like coaching, marketing, management, and HR. Um, the pitfalls of emotional empathy is that they can be overwhelming or inappropriate in certain circumstances. So like, I think sometimes people misread emotional empathy because I think sometimes the way emotional empathy is expressed is like, if somebody's like crying and they're like, Oh my God, my dog got run over and they're like bawling and it just happened. And somebody comes up and it's like, Oh my God, they start crying and they're like, my dog got run over two, five years ago. Mm -hmm. And you're like, um, this is my time. Sure, or it's misinterpreted. Or it's misinterpreted. Like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be distasteful, but a lot of times, you know, when something's emotional like that, a lot mm-hmm. of people can kind of sense things in a sexual manner, oh, or yes. they can sense things in a yes. sensual manner and to where they're like, like, oh, it's time to make my move. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm going to kiss this person uh-huh. or this and that. And it's like, not that at not all. Even though it's a very, it's a very deep, it's a very charged. emotional, charged yeah. time, it's not that type of of energy at all. So I can definitely see where, where that would be, that could cause an issue. So, and then the third and final form of empathy is compassionate empathy. And by definition, compassionate empathy is, um, with this kind of empathy, we not only understand a person's predicament and feel with them, 
but we are spontaneously moved to help if needed. Mm. So what it's concerned with is intellect, emotion, and action. Benefits considers the whole person, um, but the pitfalls are few. And this is for the type of empathy that we're usually striving for is, is compassionate empathy. So you can feel for somebody, you can feel their pain and cry and then go about your business. You can um, be understand why somebody's going through something and go about your business. Or you can feel for them, you can understand them, and then you feel compelled to act. So that is a very, you know, I had never actually um, heard the three definitions of empathy, but there is such a, there is such a defined line. And absolutely to myself, I generally, when I consider somebody an empath or somebody who's very empathetic is I usually only consider people who are the compassionate, compassionate empaths as people who have a lot of empathy because they actually act on it. So it's interesting to say, to hear that you can be an empath if you feel their pain or if you can understand their pain, you're still considered an empath. So that wasn't, that's news to me. Sure. And Um, then, you know, basically it's like, I'm not going to, I hate to just, what's the word, decrease it or, you know, minimize it or whatever, mm -hmm. but it basically means just giving a shit yeah. Just really putting yourself aside, putting other people first and saying, hey, whoa, 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 let me help you with this. Right. Let me let me see what I can take. Let me take on your burden yeah. and help you with this. And and there's all kind of ways you can do so. Well, and for people who maybe need like a further example. So, you know, the first kind of empathy is if you're driving down the side of the road and you see somebody with a flat tire, you're like, oh, man, that sucks. Like. You know, and that's that exactly what you would say and first off. Oh, say, that sucks so then, bad. Then that the emotional, uh-huh. the emotional empathy. The next one is um, where you're like, you feel that sick feeling that they're feeling because they're like, I'm gonna be late for work. I'm like, you feel that for them, and you're like, God, that sucks. And then the third and the final and the best empathy is the one where you see that you're like, God, that sucks. You feel that sick feeling like, man, they're going to be late for work. This is going to ruin their whole day. They actually say in Tennessee specifically, most people are one flat tire away from poverty. Um, That's a recent statistic that was um, released like last month. So, you know, so you feel that. And then the next step is being stopping and being like, you know what, I'm going to give them a ride or you know what, I'm going to help them get their spare tire on. So that's that's very interesting because I think, Generally, most people can empathize and understand with what other people are going through. But, you know, I personally, now that I think about it, don't know as many people who actually take that into action. And I think it's mm-hmm. like we consider those people who do take that into action like our Mother Teresa types. Well, I agree. Know? I agree with that. And also with this day and age and how things are, and I'm not trying to speak out of like doom and gloom, but like, Shit, you never know. Like, you, you pull over know. to help somebody and then knock you in the head and, like, it's take tough. your wallet, you know, or whatever. It's yep. like a setup. It's not, it's a setup. It's not just a damn flat yeah. tire. It's like, ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to act like I've got a flat tire yeah. to steal their vehicle, whatever. And that's tragic. But a lot of times, what I will do, just being personally, like, what I will do is if I see someone that has a flat tire 
or whatnot, unless it's a woman, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this from a sexual perspective yeah, no, or I, hitting I on or whatever, like unless it's a woman, I probably won't stop. What I'll do is mm-hmm. I'll just call, I believe it's 947, if I'm not mistaken, which is the Tennessee Highway Patrol number mm-hmm. to call them. I'll just call and say, hey, I just uh, passed a woman uh, or, or passed a person uh, having vehicle trouble, yeah. uh, mile marker 15, between 15 and 18, whatever. They're in a blue Chevy truck, yeah. whatever it may be, and just let them deal with yeah. it because that's what they do. Man, that's, but that's their how, job, you know. Golly, well, that's how our world has become, like, I never will ever pick up a hitchhiker, even if it is a woman, because you hear all these stories and all these things of like where women get set up to, and you don't, you don't know, you're like, I could get murdered today. And that's really sad that that's what it's become, because I think that has changed a lot of how people act in an empathetic way. Um, But, you know, I read something really interesting a while back, and it was like, um, it was a story circulating around on Facebook, so who knows how true it is. But the, the right. sentiment of the story was good. It was like this guy, and he gave a homeless man some money, and somebody was like, well, why did you do that? He's probably going to spend it on alcohol or drugs. And he said, I don't know that for a fact. He said, what it says about my character, just assuming, is it says more about my character to just assume rather than it does just to give them the money. Like if I just give them the money, mm-hmm. the assault on the character is not on me. But if I just assume because of, you know, preconceived ideas, that's, that's fault on my personal character. And I thought about that and I was like, you know, that's a really, that's a really good point. Like I think that we have, there's this stigma with reaching out and helping people because some people have got burned. And again, back to social media, it gets blown out of proportion. So I think then a lot of people are afraid to help or don't feel like they should. And so, you know, I don't know. I think that speaks more on our character than it does anything else. But also of the world that we live in today. It's difficult, I think, to be an empath in today's world. And maybe even more so important to strive to be that compassionate empath in today's world just because of that fact. I can I can agree totally. The um, you have to be I would say you have to be cautious. Yeah. Just because of the world we're living in, it is sad. I hate that. You know that just the fact of your guard has to be up. Yeah. But at the same time, like you can't risk it. You, you just can't. can't. You just can't risk it no. because of the the possibility of what may happen. And so that's why I, even as a male, you know, I just, I just call, like I said, the uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol and report what's going on. Hey, look, there's a, there's a family on the side of the road, this mile marker, and they will dispatch. They will send somebody to help, you know, and that's, uh, they're trained to deal with those situations and, and what may be. So unless I just have like a perfect, this feeling of, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Just this feeling of... Like this pull to yeah, do it like just I this, think I should. Right. Like right then, then I just won't. I'll just... Now right then, I'll act and I'll just call that number and give that mile marker or whatever and say, hey, you know, they're at this locale and this is what's going on. <clears throat> I'm going to have to drive on. Yeah. Just because of the possibility of what can be, you know. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, you know, what's interesting is I think 
most people struggle with empathy in some form like they could feel it but they don't necessarily feel compelled to like act on it but what's interesting is i think that most people and i could be wrong but i would say maybe 80 percent of people feel empathy towards animals more so than they mm. do people that's a good that's a good thing to it's a good thought there i can i can understand that because i you know, there was a, I'm just going to say it because I don't care, but there was a couple that lived right across the road from where I live now, mm-hmm. and they lived in a trailer, and nothing towards a trailer. You know, you live how you want to live, whatever. I don't care. I don't judge, whatever. Right. But that trailer was moved, and they left the dogs. Yeah. They left them there. They did yeah. not take them with them. They left the dogs there. Yep. Under the premise of, well, my granddad, which was their granddad, he he likes those dogs and he needs those dogs and whatever. I don't agree with that at all. I don't re- I don't I don't believe that was what was done at all. And so, they abandoned those animals. And for myself, like I could never abandon any animal. Like I love animals. As a whole, and low, and and uh, like I'm not like a PETA person. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like I will eat some animals, right. you know. But like uh, the fact of animals being mistreated and whatnot, like I can't handle it, especially from dogs, cats perspective, whatever. Like I just love animals. I just do, and even so much more than uh, you know. I'm walking cautiously when I say this, but like people. Well, and see, like it is what it is. That's what's interesting to me is I think that more people are willing to empathize with animals than they are with people. I agree. And it's funny because whether my friends are right wing or left wing or in the middle, if somebody talks about an animal abuser or somebody who mistreats animals, everybody's like, kill that motherfucker. Oh, absolutely. Get him alive. Talons out. And it doesn't matter. Talons out. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, like whatever. I think, All people, for the most part, agree. I would say 80% of people are more, uh, like, have a mutual empathy for animals. Oh, sure. I agree. Which is funny because then, like, you know, you hear, I have a lot of friends who are vegan, and they're, some people are vegan for dietary reasons. Some people are vegan Mm -hmm, for, mm -hmm. um, like, climate reasons. And some people are vegan for... Um, animal welfare. Sure, reasons. yeah, absolutely. And so it's really interesting because, like, those people, you know, I think they're like, kind of like, well, you should, like, everybody should always not ever eat animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are defensive of animals and, you know, have empathy for animals that are like companion animals, but everybody mm-hmm. loves everybody loves a cute baby cow, but you still like to eat steak, you know. Sure. So it's it's funny because you're like, I think you know, when it comes to the ideas of like being a vegetarian or being vegan or pescatarian or wherever you find yourself, mm-hmm. I'm somebody who I believe that um, I believe that uh, like I don't think it's wrong to eat animals. I think that that's just how we're designed. Sure. Um, I do think, I do believe in the ethical treatment of the animals. That we sure. Believe. Absolutely. I, I believe that we are keepers of these animals. Absolutely. And, we, and I think that the meat industry, if you don't know where your meat is coming from, 
um, is a very heinous, disgusting one. And I think that as meat consumers, we have to be responsible. So like, you know, we're lucky in the area that we live in. We can source from a lot of local butchers. That is true. It's way, way more um, ethical and and better than buying from big, you know, big mm-hmm. corporations and things right. like that. But it's just really funny. And, you know, I didn't think about that as much until I actually watched um, that Netflix documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. Did you see that? I have not seen it, but I have had a couple people tell me about it. Yeah. And, like, um, the source that told me about it was actually a girl that I work with named Danny Baker. I love Danny. Shout out to you, Danny. If you ever listen to this, I love you so much. You're such a great person. Such a sweetheart. I just love her because she is just herself. Yeah. I just love her so much. But anyway, she told me about it, and I'm like, I listened to it, and I was like, ooh, I don't know if I could take that. <laughs> I don't know if I could sit through it. It sounds so I, – I get it. Like, yeah. I, I love the way that they went about it, and she told me about the whole premise of catching yeah. the person and all that. But, like, I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I could handle the the, the – the content of it, I don't know. It was pretty rough. Like, I've watched a lot of stuff, and they showed some clips, and there was some clips that I purposely looked away. Just upset you a little like, bit? Uh-huh. It didn't necessarily upset me, but I was just like, you know, I just, I'm just going to look through Splendid Eyes <laughs> sure. for this yeah. one, because uh-huh. I was like, you know, I knew what I was getting into with it, but it is, it's sure. pretty tough. It's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, but it was funny because, you know, it's called Don't Fuck With Cats, because... Right like what the people who kind of helped with the investigation were talking about or hindered, depending on where, what your stance is on that. If you've seen the documentary, you know what I'm talking about. But um, what they talk about is like, you can be anything you want on the internet, but basically don't fuck with animals because people will come for you. It does not matter what demographic most people are super against, like deliberate, disgusting abuse of animals. And it's really, it's funny to me because when I think about, empathy of animals versus people i think that people are more willing to be empathetic of animals because um we feel like they trust us absolutely and we yeah, I get are it. guardians of animals uh-huh. and whatever however you want to put that and i think that people we're humans we get hurt our trust is hurt. We've mm-hmm. had bad things happen to me. We've had trauma. So I think that the difference is, is like people are less willing to be empathetic towards humans because they're like, well, they deserve that. And people don't think animals don't do anything deliberately. Like if we get bit by a dog or bit by a cat, most of the time we're like, well, that was my fault because I was provoking it. And if it was unprovoked, that animal gets put down. But for the most part, it's, it, we know that we're at fault if we get injured with an animal. Well, sure, and and I'll I'll say this about like like pit bulls, for yeah. example. Like my experience with pit bulls have been overall positive. Like mm-hmm. I've never had any kind of negative experience with pit bulls. Mm-hmm. However, I've been uh, I hate to say raised a lot around them because I haven't really been raised around them. But I've had a cousin who has always uh, bred them and mm-hmm. always you know been. Uh, you know, has always messed with them or whatever. And like, I've never had any kind of negative interaction with pit bulls. And when I hear about negative uh, interaction with pit bulls and uh, I'm not trying to offend anybody or whatever, anybody's ever been bit or, you know, had a child been bit or whatever. But I'm saying a lot of times, a lot of times it's because of what they were doing, Doing, poking with a stick 
uh, you know, pulling the ears. Yeah, pulling the ear, you know, some kind of pulling the tail, you know, whatever, to where that dog eventually said, hey, fuck this. I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to be treated this way. And then they retaliate. So uh, this is all clearly like I'm just saying this so far as like my own personal experience. So I hope I'm not, uh, you know, stepping on anybody's toes or whatever. But I've just always seen pit bulls as. Uh, you know, very lovey, like from mm-hmm. what I've been around, like they're just big babies, like they're just big babies. Now, I understand it's the environment. Now, yeah. I'm talking about the people that I know have been in a wholesome environment, not mm-hmm. fighting, mm-hmm. not a mistreating. It's been wholesome, loving, uh, you know, households and homes and whatnot. And so, everything I've seen, they're just big old babies. They're just, uh, they can be extremely vicious in certain circumstances, but. At the same time, so can I. Well, and, so can I. And I just want to say, as a Chihuahua owner, so can Chihuahuas. Oh yeah, and sweet little Poppy. Let's just give a shout yeah. out to sweet little Poppy. Oh my God, I love her so much. She's so sitting on my lap. So right just now. just tell them a little bit about Poppy. Just sweet little thing. Like she just her look on her face is so darling right now. Just just just. Just say a little bit about Poppy. So, um, I had Pop. I got Poppy when I was um, 15 years old, mm-hmm. and she could fit in a shirt pocket. She was very tiny. She's covered in spots. She's a purebred Chihuahua, um, and I've had her since yeah, I was 15 years old. So this will be, um, let's see, I believe it was yeah, 2009. So this is my 11th year with Poppy. Um, she moved from Alaska to Tennessee with me. She's slept in my bed since I've got her. This dog has been with me through everything. And people want to talk a lot of trash about chihuahuas, but they are such great companion dogs. And Poppy, I feel like she can look at you, and it's like she knows what you're She feeling. does. She does. She really does. She's, great. she's my little therapy dog. I love Poppy, and she's been on my lap the whole time that we've recorded. I tried to lock her out, but she had to be a part of it. So I was like, I brought the blanket in. <laughs> she sat up on my lap, and she slept the whole time. She's well, it's a just like dog. earlier, you know, when we decided to do this today, like, what did she do when you were like making sure all the doors were yeah. shut and all this for the sound quality she and all? Cried. What did she do? She she cried until she got in, and yep. then she come right to me and jumped straight yes, up in my lap, did. you know, which yeah. I love about her because you know she can sense where mm-hmm. she's loved where mm-hmm. she's appreciated and she's mm-hmm. such a darling she just looks at you with such an innocent face Big she's so eyes. sweet mm-hmm. oh my god i can't say it enough like she's, that dog has my heart she is a fantastic she is dog. so sweet and just like looking at her now like she's just over there all cozy mm-hmm. you know cozied up in her blanket mm-hmm. and she's just so sweet and she's so loving and she wants to be a part of this Absolutely. she just like she obviously she doesn't understand you know the uh the information being passed and whatnot but like she knows there's something going down and she wants to be a part of it well you know that's really interesting that you bring up because poppy's been with me through a lot in the next segment we're going to talk about death a little bit well i say a little bit but probably a lot but Mm -hmm. poppy's been through some significant times with me and you know, people don't think that animals understand, but I think I think that animals are a lot have a lot more empathy than people realize. And I think animals can f- I think they can feel their owner's pain. And I know that even when I'm in physical pain, if I'm having stomach issues or back problems, it's like she knows. She'll go and she'll snuggle and she'll be like a little heating pad right where I'm having pain. And she, I can't communicate to her that I hurt there. She just knows. So I think, you know, 
pets and animals, they're capable of empathy, maybe even a little bit better than us humans are. Um, but like you were saying about pit bulls and things like that, like it's funny because I think people have preconceived ideas about animals for the most part, but I think I would say 80% of people would say, don't you dare abuse an animal in front of me or I will, you know, people get crazy. They're like, I'm going to get, they get even worse. They're like, I'm going to skin you alive, you <laughs> yeah, fucker, you know. That's true. People have real a real hard time with animal abuse. Because just, um, you know, those animals for the most should. part, like they just want to be loved. They, they just, just want to be, loved. you know, that's, that's really it. They just want to be loved. They just want to, uh, and if, like you said, you know, if you're having some kind of pain or if you're having some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of detriment you're dealing with. Like, they just want to comfort you. Well, and you know, it's really... That's all they want. It's interesting to me because I think that people probably right off the bat, most people would say that they feel like, if especially if they have a dog, they feel like their dogs can empathize with them or, or comfort them or understand when they're hurting. Um, and I think we're learning more and more that other animals also have those kinds of feelings too. Mm -hmm. Now I was raised, my parents were very much like, and I loved bugs and animals and all kinds of things as a kid, but we were raised very much like we have to be kind and respectful of all forms of life, whether it's bugs or spiders or if, except for mosquitoes and wasps, <laughs> fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> Just disclaimer right now. God, I hate spiders. I'm just going to be honest. Now I love, Whoa. I love spiders. Oh I love spiders God. and I believe that they have a place, a very special place in our world. But beyond that, like we were taught we to told, treat... We did tell you we were going to disagree on something. Yeah. We did <laughs> tell you this. But, you know, we, we were raised, my sister and I were raised <laughs> to believe that everything has a place in this universe. It has a place in, and as humans... And I believe that. That's very wholesome. It is. And and I believe as humans, it's our duty to... You may like, not understand it, but it's very wholesome. It, and I think it is too, because everything has a piece and everything has a part. And we think that fish don't have emotional capacity or cows don't have emotional capacity or whatever. We think that dogs do because we experience it. And dogs can kind of communicate with us in their own way. But it's like the more scientific advances to show, they show that all of these animals and bugs are absolutely capable of things like empathy. Well, I'm going to, I'll say, I'm sorry. Is I'm sorry if I cut you yeah, off. No, no, you're fine. Is, is so far as the past six months, maybe towards the summer, is watching birds. Yes. I become this kind of bird watcher mm -hmm. guy, whatever is watching birds, like, they totally communicate. I don't care what yes. anybody says. Like, they will call somebody over. They're like, beep, 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 beep. Hey, buddy, come over they and hang out with me. They have their own social structure. That's exactly right. Yes. And then they'll go over to that tree and they're like, beep, 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 whatever, and then they go somewhere else. Like, I am absolutely fascinated yes. with how birds just, and, and I just say birds because it's something I noticed, but yes. it's definitely on a whole nother level it's with multiple species. It's just things. birds of how they communicate yeah. one another. It just blows my mind. And so that's something that I can definitely appreciate. And like I said, even though we, <laughs> it's comical, but like spiders just freak me yeah, out, most whatever. Do. They're, yeah. they're fascinating. Uh, it, it seems like, like snakes don't mm -hmm. bother me, yeah. but spiders do. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's either like spiders bother people and snakes don't, or snakes bother people and spiders don't, whatever. I don't know what that is, but. Um, I love either. I have tattoos of both on sure, me because sure. they're my, some of my favorite things. My mother was deathly afraid of spiders because of her upbringing. 
her siblings would smash them in her hair. Um, big banana spiders. Oh my god! Yeah, that's really fucked up. Banana spiders are huge. And if too. my family members are listening to this, y'all were fucked up. Oh my god! That. Um, yeah, no, it was terrible. They're so, so big. So my mom, <laughs> she did not want my sister and I. Maybe more so me because I loved bugs. She didn't want me to be afraid of them. So I just like thought spiders were just the most incredible thing. And so they I, really are. And they really are. But they just freak me out. They are. Sometimes I get a little scared. Sometimes I see some spiders and I'm like, oh, you a big son of gun. I'm a little <laughs> bit afraid of you for real. <laughs> so I get it, but I love spiders and I love snakes. Um, but just kind do. of like love snakes. circling back around, it's just so funny that as humans... I, I, the point of it's, I think, harder for people to be, not all people, but most people, I think it's harder for them to be empathetic towards humans. And so if I can think about like where that comes from, I think everybody has hurts and everybody has traumas. And I think that like people who are afraid of dogs and don't give a shit about dogs is usually because a dog bit them. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Or they were attacked. Absolutely. People are the same way. So mm-hmm. people who are like, well, I don't give money to homeless people. Well, maybe because one time they did and the person grabbed them or scared them or something happened that hurt them in some way. And so then now all of a sudden all empathy is shut off. It's true. So I think it's, and especially in this day and age and circling back with Facebook and social media and things like that. I think we really have to work harder to be empathetic to the people in our lives, strangers, our friends, our family, because it's so important to the human experience to show the people that we love and even strangers, somebody cares about you and I'm going to help you without any need for something back. And I think today it's like if somebody does something nice, they have to post about it on Facebook or they have to like tell the world like, Oh, I did this good deed. I know. I just, I I see that. that. I see that too. I know exactly what you mean. And I see that too. And I'm just like, don't you, don't you just do that naturally? You don't have to post that. You don't have to post it. Obviously somebody's going to be like, Oh, you know, that's such a good thing. You just keep doing your girl or whatever. I don't think that's real empathy. It eliminates the experience. Totally. It It eliminates the significance of it. Well, and by definition of the the compassionate empathy is like you're moved to do something Mm -hmm. because not only you wanted the praise, not only do you feel their pain, but you also understand in some form or fashion, their situation. Mm -hmm. And so I think too, a lot of what people fall into this trap of nowadays. And I think that a lot of people and families in family units, like have to work to break the cycle of, as I think that there's this idea like, well, I went through it. So you should have to go through it too. Sure. Now I think that there are some, experiences that are important to have as humans. I don't think everything should be a cakewalk. I think you do need to experience hard things to become a well-rounded person and to understand. Um, but I don't think that people should have to suffer necessarily s- severely suffer to learn those experiences. And I think that some people are like, well, my parents did it to me, so I'm going to do it to my kids uh. when it comes to things like beating or, um, like how they were raised or like, oh yeah, my parents, the day I was 18, packed my shit up and kicked me out. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and those people have this hardened heart about it. So when people complain like, oh my gosh, my parents are kicking me out. I don't, I don't know what to do. They're like, well, just deal with it. And, and I am a person who 
I can kind of fall into that trap. Like I've gone through things and I'm like, well, I don't think that's that big of a deal. So people just need to buck up. And I do think that, that people nowadays do need to do some bucking up. Sometimes I do that think day. That. That's absolutely I, right. I do think that. But also what I'm trying to remember now as an adult is that everybody is on a different path. And so like what, what might have been really hard for me and what I might have been able to handle might just be the straw on a camel's back for somebody else. You see, and I love that about you, that you are, um, you know, just open to that, that you realize, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't just say it from my perspective. You know, everything changes. You know, everybody's perspective is different. My perspective is Mm -hmm. different from yours. Yours is different from mine and so on. And, uh... It just it just varies. It, varies. it just varies so much, and a lot of times I, I find these myself in these conversations with people, and I'm realizing that we may not be on the same wavelength mentally or whatever, but they're still on the right path, yeah. if you will. And so that that, that makes a huge difference. It, it does. does, and I think that I think a lot of people struggle with empathy. I think. Some people feel that um, religion is, and some people to, might have been taken advantage of, right? And so they they've cut themselves off because mm-hmm. we we are humans, um, but we there are some things in nature that we have like we have to survive. We all are hardwired to survive to some extent. Now we live in a time where we don't have to. Um, most of us, thank God, then the, there is a percentage of people who are unfortunate who do it. Most people do not have to think how they're going to make it through winter. That's true, yeah. Most people don't have to think where they're going to get clean water from. Mm-hmm. Now, that's different in, let's say, Flint, Michigan, and some other parts of the world where that is a huge concern. You know, isn't it, isn't it such a shame? It's so crazy that that today is something that we... People because still, we're just so used to it. We're, we're still, ju- you know, I hate to say we take it for granted. Well, we do, and we're almost. But we're just so used to it. to it. Like if I go right now to your kitchen, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I just want a glass of water. You like I don't water. think anything about it. And there are people in other places who, uh, there's like you know a set group of people in in their community whose job is to walk five miles a day to get you know how many gal as many gallons as they can carry of clean water so back sad. to the and that's what they do every day and that's their life and they don't know anything outside of that but again it's it's hard for some people to be have empathy for that because uh-huh, like well I have uh-huh. no frame of reference for that and that's just how they live you know and I I, I get it you know I understand but it I just don't see where it doesn't breed appreciation. Right. For what we have. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? I, I do think like we said a second ago, just kind of talking about, I do think that there are some things where, you know, I can empathize with somebody, not on the compassionate level where I'm going to go and do it for them or help them, mm-hmm. where I do think people need to like buck up a little bit and handle it and go through it because it's normal. Um, but there are other things where you just never know what, extension of kindness could change somebody's life that is that is a huge statement right there just saying that like it's true the fact of just saying uh you know i'll give you an example uh this has been years ago i know this is kind of it's similar to subject but it's kind of subject as i had a guy walk up to me outside of walmart one time i was just waiting on i was meeting a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and i was outside of walmart and this guy walked up to me and he had a he had a bunch of steaks in his hand, right? 
and he walks up and he's like, hey, I just bought these in there. God told me mm-hmm. to trade this to you for gas in my car. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, what? I didn't know really what to think of it. But like, these weren't like little bitty mincy steaks. Like right. these they were, were big, steaks. thick, you know, yeah. juicy steaks, whatever. And he said, God told me to go in and buy these steaks and that somebody would trade me like gas money to get to work for these steaks. I'm not asking you for money. I'm asking you for gas in my car. And so I just went over to the gas pump and I was like, I'm going to give you gas for your car, but I want you to keep those steaks. Yeah. And he was just like, oh, no, 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 no. God told me that like, you have to keep these steaks. I said, look, I understand that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that, but I'm going to give you gas and I want you to keep the steaks. Mm -hmm. I don't need the steaks. I can go in here and buy my own steaks. I'm fortunate enough. I'm blessed enough. However you say, keep the steaks. Here's the gas. If you go to Chicago and pick up dope, that's on you. But I'm doing what I feel is right. Keep the steaks and here's the gas. I didn't even care. Yeah. I didn't even, it didn't even matter to me. I just like, I was fascinated with the experience to where I can talk about it with you now. Right. Like I might've mentioned that to two people my whole life, but like that was so, so strange, but so significant, you know? That is how my mom and her family lived. Really? Was like people, just crazy stories. And I'm only going to give this as a short example because I want to dive into that a little bit more in a different way. Mm-hmm. I love but it. like, um, thank you for diving into it because I've, I, I've never really talked about it. Oh, well that's how my mom's whole life was. So, which is why she wanted us to have like a very stable, very consistent life was because like her parents, this is so crazy. Um, during the reign of the Soviet union smuggled Bibles into Russia. Wow. Soviet Russia, mm. okay, where Christianity was outlawed because God told them to. And what happened was, was they were like, and I don't remember the exact details, but basically God told them, you're going to smuggle like X amount, like 47 Bibles into Russia, right? So a very specific number. And they were like, okay. And he's like, and supposedly God told my grandpa to like, just show up here and you're going to get the tickets. Oh, I'm loving this already. And this so is fantastic. All of those things happened. And then there was the very last day they were supposed to leave and they didn't have the Bibles. And God was like, don't worry. Some guy shows up and is like, I have specifically 47 Bibles that, that I'm wild? supposed to give to you. Isn't that gave wild? them to it. Yes. And it gets crazier. So they smuggle these Bibles into Soviet Russia. I, I just want everybody to understand that this was not just like bringing Bibles to a foreign country. Or bringing is, Bibles here today. It is smuggling Bibles. Yes, it's into just like Soviet it's just Russia. like dope if or serious. If you don't understand serious, what that means, very I serious. highly encourage you to do some research. Yeah, like about you're going to do some jail was, time. Yes, about what Soviet Absolutely. Russia was like in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. That being said, That's so good anyway, stuff. so there, all this crazy stuff happens while they're there. At some point, so they're like in this park, and the um. Oh my God, what is it? Like the Russian police. Um, the, uh, oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I do. What's the, what do they call them? Um, I can't say Spetsnaz because they're like the Russian elite or whatever, like Navy SEALs of Russia, the Spetsnaz. 
I know what you're saying, but I'm I can't think of up. the name. Oh my or god, I'm just like bear just, with us, folks. I just told this story. There's the other a certain day. word that we're looking for. It is a certain word. It's um, oh my, the KGB. That's what I was looking for. Sure, KGB. So, okay, so KGB. So it's like the this, CIA of America. Right. So they're in this park, and the KGB come, wow. and they're looking for mm-hmm. my grandparents. And my grandma turns and is like. Bernie, that's my grandpa saying, make out with me. And they make out, and the KGB looks at them, and they're like making out, and they take another couple. So that was crazy. Then, at some point, their passports and all their papers get stolen. Wow. They don't have them until like the day before they're supposed to leave. Well, somehow my grandpa gets this note that says, um, meet at the post office at this time, and they will be there, or something along those lines. And my grandpa's like, okay, so he shows up and my grandma goes into the post office and my grandpa's on the outside and this guy comes out and he looks, he's all flustered, he's upset, da, 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 da. And my grandpa's like, what's your problem? And he's like, I have these papers that is for, anyway, they get, they get like their papers back literally hours before they're supposed to depart. So all kinds of crazy stuff. That is literally just the tip of the iceberg of my f- mom's side of the family's life. Like that whole God told me to do X, Y, Z happened to my grandparents literally all the time isn't it something they would god would tell my grandpa or my grandma sell everything and sell your house today and they would pack up the whole house doing what god said they would pack up the whole house and somebody would knock on the door and be like god told me to come and buy this house you know, or God told me to give you this car, or d- just crazy shit like sure, that. Sure, right. It's so, something that most people today would not even fathom or understand at all. God, no. So that's that's a whole nother talk sure. someday. We'll have to dive into religion at some point. Um, but that being said, like, I think that we as people, we often, there and social media. Do you think we get in the way? of things happening like I I think so I think we get in the way and I think sometimes empathy is sometimes these grand beautiful gestures that mean all these things but then sometimes I think that we will never even know what act like what and, and sometimes the recipient will never even know so like seeing somebody maybe having a hard time and they're like you go into the bathroom and they're crying in the bathroom Right. And you say, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? And then just, just saying something to them for just a second, being like, do you need me to grab you some tissue or do you want to borrow my makeup or something? And then either saying yes or no, whatever that is, that's the end of the you know the encounter. Maybe the takeaway for them is like they feel a little bit better. They can pull themselves together for the rest of the shift or the rest of the day or whatever it is. Or it could even be on like a bigger scale, just that act of like reaching out to somebody you see is hurting or you see needs help or you just are like, are you okay? Whatever that is, maybe, and I'm a big time person, maybe that five second encounter or additional two minutes down the line prevent something else from happening you know and that's that's so powerful just even the consideration of that is you know i I understand exactly what you're saying you know so far as uh you could read into it and you can continually give example after example after example 
But just that, that is so strong well, and that is so powerful. And I'm not saying that we have to like walk around with this looming sense of responsibility to sure, be sure. empathetic to people, but we also don't understand the, the weight of our actions, good mm-hmm. or bad sometimes, because sometimes those, the reactions we'll never even know. We'll never even know the possibility of what could have happened. And so sometimes I get into like an, it's a anxiety thing where like if I'm having trouble making a decision on something and I can't figure out what the quote unquote right decision is, I'll be like, well, if I make this decision, is something so crazy going to happen in my life if I do or if I don't? And then you can't think like that. Please don't think like that, people. Right, don't try to overthink it. Don't try to overthink it. But when you're considering empathy, like we just, just being human and reaching out to, and reaching out when somebody is in pain. And, you know, I actually like what you said a little bit ago about, Sometimes empathy is just beyond like painful interactions, laughing with somebody or sharing a moment with somebody. Like when you're in the grocery store and two people both see something funny that happens and like laughing together. Oh, sure. That's a shared experience. That's you're feeling something with somebody else. Like that's funny, you know, like sharing those things. I think it is important. And I think sometimes we get really shut off to all of that because we want to protect ourselves. We do. And and it's natural and to it's want to natural. protect yourself, yes. you know, because you don't want to be you don't want to be mistreated, you don't want to be used, you don't want to be uh, the folly of something, you know. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand, but to 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 be to just I guess kind of sum it up in a nutshell is yeah. just treat people like you want to be treated. Yes. And sometimes you have to go a little farther than that. Yeah. Than than what, you know, is just black and white or just whatever. Like sometimes you gotta go a little different. It's gotta be a little challenging for yourself, whether it be with animals or, or whether people. it be with people or whether it be with grandparents, mm-hmm. or whether it be with whatever, because you're not going to have the same mindset as your grandparents. No. You're not going to have the same mindset as animals or if with younger people That's and whatnot. Right. So just try to consider others and always be, with this conversation of empathy, be empathetic to other people's perspective and experience. Yeah. And even if you don't agree with it, just be humble and try to be understanding, Understanding, you know, try to be understanding and just have a conversation. Don't be defensive. Don't be combative. Just be open. Just be open to the fact of what may be. And because you might just benefit from it. And even if you don't, I think the point, I think the, the big takeaway about empathy is like, we should act beyond, beyond, benefit more than our understanding more than our understanding sometimes it's you know it's like i think people just get caught in this like oh you have to do it because it'll make you feel good sometimes helping somebody is inconvenient or sometimes you do get hurt but it's important to do i think you have to do the right thing and i'm not saying like overextend yourself or put yourself in dangerous situations but sometimes like you know, you're in a rush and you're trying, you're late and you're trying to come out of Walmart and you got your, you know, groceries and you're just trying to go about your business and you see somebody like all their groceries spill out and they're trying to pick it up. And it's like, sometimes we have to just put our own selves aside. That's true. And it's not going to benefit you. You're probably going to be a couple more, you know, a couple more minutes late to your thing. But 
help this person out because they need help. Because if you were in that situation, you would hope that maybe somebody would stop and help you, right? That's that's, that's so true. Let me give you an example. And so this was, uh, I'm thinking it was last year, maybe the year before, is I was in Carothersville. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was at a friend's house, and we were cooking, and we were drinking. We are just having some beers, you know, just enjoying ourselves. And uh, I run into my former mother-in-law. Yeah. Now, I have a positive relationship there, but my former mother-in-law, I run into her, and she let me know that uh, my, my ex-wife's grandmother had died. She had passed away. And she said... She's like, Derek, you know, she always thought the world of you. And and she did. She was such a darling person, such a sweet person. And she's not, you know, she's like, you know, she always thought the world of you. Would you come to the, would you come and just, you know, just make your presence, you know, just come see her or whatever. And I was like, oh, my gosh, because I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent with everybody listening to this. Like, I was drunk. I was, I was intoxicated because for me, that day was simply cooking out, and and just drinking. I mean, just being transparent about it. So I show up at this church, you know, because in the same town, she's like, would you just come and just 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 come? And I was like, okay. So I went, and I hope no one thinks ill of me, but, like, I was, I was pretty intoxicated. And I showed up because this woman asked me, and I love this woman. She's always been sweet to me. And so I, I came, and... So the hearse comes up, and the hearse pulls up, and like there's there's not enough people to take her to the front of the church, right? And so the hearse pulls up, and she's like, "Would you be so kind as to to help help us carry my mother to the front of the church?" And like I haven't seen these people in four or five years, you know. And so I was like, I didn't feel obligated, but I was privileged. You understand? Like yes. I just felt I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll help. And so I'm going to be completely honest with everybody listening. Like, I was intoxicated, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I carried that woman to her, the front of the church, and did so with a clear conscience of just like, I was doing the right thing, even though I was inebriated. I was I was almost drunk. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I did what she asked me to do, and afterwards, like, she thanked me, and she hugged me, and she was like, you know... I'll always feel like you're my son-in-law, and I just appreciate you for for doing this. Thank you so much. And, like, I was touched by it. So even though I was intoxicated and I was, um, you know, that was not my plan for the day, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, I still feel like that was a special thing. So afterwards, like, I hugged her neck. I did what I felt like I was to do, and I went back to hanging out with my friends and, you know, like, cooking stuff out and, you know, drinking, having a drink or whatever. But, like... My point is, is just like you, you may not think it's the right time, the right hour, the right day, whatever, but just kind of go with it, you know, just like, just go with it. Absolutely. I think that's a great, great little antidote to uh, end part three on. We'll be back in just a minute with part four, where we're going to dive into death. All the way into death. All the way into death. Woo. And we're back, Deep Talks with Derek, part four on The Septic Tank. Our last and final installment of our first episode of Deep Talks with Derek is going to circle around death. Now, I find 
death a very fascinating topic for a lot of reasons. Number one is that Derek and I were both born and raised in America, but um, the cultural difference in death being raised in the South versus the North, I think offers a lot of different perspectives. Um, I was a kid who was always fascinated with, I loved mummies. I love skulls. I love, uh, dissecting, you know, owl pals. I, death was fascinating to me, um, in the natural world as a child. Um, and then as an adult, um, I think that the way we understand death and the way we handle death in this day and age is very interesting. There's a lot to dissect here. Definitely. Um, and it's difficult to know where to jump into. Um, but I'll start with this question. Um, what is your, Derek, your relationship with death now at the age you're at versus other stages in your life? Because I think that as you grow and as you age and as you change, your relationship with death itself also changes. I'm going to say now that I realize that is a natural death is a natural part of life. And I'm not trying to be cliche, but I'm saying like, I accept it mm -hmm. and I am okay with it. Mm -hmm. Even though it may not always be pleasant. It is hurtful. You do feel, you do long you do, uh, you know, you just, you have all these different kinds of emotions. I just accept it for what it is. And that's just, you do get a certain amount of time with people before they die. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. You're going to die. Everyone is going to die at some point in time. And we never know. So we literally have to make the most out of each day and I'm not trying to be cliche, so fact is like, I have to get up and I have to do 100 push-ups, and then I have to run two miles, and then I have to do this and do this. I'm just saying appreciation for the time that you've been given. Mm -hmm. You really have to appreciate the time that you've been given. You do. Absolutely. And it, and it means so much to where, to me, of when we first started, like today, when we recorded the very first thing of appreciation and being true to yourself is like a part of being true to myself is I just want others to know that when I'm in front of you, regardless of what I'm in front of you for what is I appreciate you and I want you to appreciate me like that means so much. Mm -hmm. That means so much on an individual basis because that may be the last time we ever interact with mm -hmm. each other. That may be the last time we see one another. So I don't, I don't look at death anymore as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. So I try to look at it as in a just simply a way of passage. Mm -hmm. It's just a normal thing. It really is a normal thing. Mm -hmm. It may not be on your time, on my time, or the next guy's time, or whatever, but it really is a normal thing, and we don't control it. No. I am a person who uh, who is content with to a degree being in control mm -hmm. i'm one of those people like i'm kind of structured uh to some degree but death it's just out of your control you know and i'm not saying that people don't do things that maybe i, I hate to kind of laugh when i say that but kind of contribute to an expedient death 
or, <laughs> you know, right. kind of uh, maybe push that along fast or whatever. But, like, if you're jumping out of planes on a daily basis or if you're, like, uh, playing chicken with cars on a daily basis, you're probably going to accelerate death. Right. It is what it is. But, like, for myself, like, I'm just very accepting of death and realize that just it just happens. It's just a part of life. You know, it, it is. It kind of something that you said is something that I not struggle with, but I think about a lot in the sense of, and religion is going to tie into this a little bit here, because um, you said like we don't, we can't control death, and so I think that a idea that a lot of people try to think of, or you know mull over in their lifetime is the concept of free will, um, and so one thing that I really bounce between is the idea that um this is just our lives are predetermined and the day we're gonna die is the day we're gonna die and every interaction every moment is already mapped out way in advance um and then the other hand i believe that everything is chaos and things i i believe um in true uh, coincidence, like some things just happen without any purpose. They do. Um, and some things I think do have divine purpose. So I, I find myself bouncing between those two ideas. And I like to call it divine chaos because it is a mix of, I think our lives and the universe is a mix of things being mapped out, but then also this chaotic um, energy within the universe that things sometimes are just going to happen without rhyme or reason. Mm, makes and I, sense. I think for me, a big reason why I kind of came to that conclusion was I always used to believe that everything happened for a reason, even mm -hmm. bad things. Mm -hmm. And I think that religion teaches you that. I think that that's a way to cope. Um, when something bad happens, you're like, well, God, or it's supposed to happen this way. Mm -hmm. And for myself, um, with the death of my best friend, I, and there was a death that I experienced before that, that kind of started opening my eyes to it. I was like, you know, that's just not good enough anymore for me. And I think I felt like that because what happens when anybody dies, especially when a young person dies, I think that people want to, they search for justification because that makes you feel better. Um, and it helps you get on and wake up every day is like, well, they died and now I have a better relationship with so-and-so or they died and now this le legislation is in effect and they died. And you try to make sense of their death and you try to give their death purpose. I can agree. And, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I decided that that was not good enough for me. Um, I decided that there is no good reason for the people that you love to die. Sure. And that's when I decided that things sometimes don't have direction or purpose in your life. Um, and that was, for myself, kind of a departure from, a full departure from religion. Um, I had been raised not incredibly religiously but with the teachings of Jesus and you know you die and you go to heaven and da 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 and I started having existential crises when I was like eight years old mm -hmm. so that was always a little hard for me but then as I started having like the tools and the language to kind of really put together how I was feeling I remember a, a pretty poignant thing my dad said to me at one point was he was like you know what if this 
this is heaven. This is the best there is. And that was like, you know, Brain explosion. as a kid, cause I was like, well, maybe it is, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess I'm of the, um, I do not believe in a biblical heaven or hell. I don't. Um, because, and I, I believe that Jesus was like an incredible teacher, but I don't necessarily believe in salvation. I think that's a crock of shit. Honestly, I believe in the teachings of Jesus because I think like mercy and kindness and forgiveness are incredibly powerful teachings. And I try to apply those to my daily life. And I think that if, if you are genuinely open-minded and that you are, I hate to say on the right path, yeah. but I'll say just so far as a genuine person, mm-hmm. like you're going to get there. Yes. You know? Yes. Well, and so in this journey, I just realized I was like, you know, I don't really think anything is about any of that. And I saw all that. Now, a lot of good things have come from my best friend's death. A lot of um, laws have been passed and legislation has been passed in an effort to reduce what happened to her. She was a victim of domestic violence. Um, She was killed at 19 years old, so it's teen dating violence. Mm. So what her parents have worked very hard to do is um, uh, implement Breeze Law into the school district, and it is basically curriculum that gives students and people the tools to recognize unhealthy relationships, to sort of recognize them, and then what to do, how to get out of it, how to tell somebody, how to help somebody see that their thing is unhealthy. So I think that that's a beautiful thing. You know, and that's um, the thing about like this podcast is that's, those are the kind of things that are impacting. They are. And that, that people need to hear that they may not have ever heard before. So I think you need to expound on that a little bit if you don't mind. I will. Um, so she was killed um, a few years ago in Anchorage, Alaska. And actually Crime Junkies just did a very, very great podcast on her story. Um, and she was killed by her boyfriend. Um, she was shot in the face. Um, so that's a little tough for people to hear, but it was, it was pretty rough. It was very rough. She's somebody who, um, I grew up with. Um, I spent every Christmas Eve with her for, you know, the last 15 years of our life, um, together. Uh, we spent pretty much every holiday, um, entire summers together. Heck, we went to church camp together. Um, every year for several years. Uh, so she was somebody who was very ingrained, not only in my personal life, but my family's as well. She was an extension, and her family was an extension of our family. Um, so her death was very difficult. Um, it was very difficult for my parents. It was very, because they felt like, in a way, they lost, you know, a daughter to them. Of course, it's not the same as her parents, but they felt like they could empathize with that. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, and it was very hard for my sister because it was just so, it was traumatic. It was traumatic for everybody. And for me, it was a um, real turning point in, uh, in my departure from religion um, because I decided that, number one, and I had been feeling this way for a long time. I, I, I think God is an ominous being who um, does not love or hate or have opinions because if you know everything and you've designed the universe and it's exactly in your image, you don't have you don't have human emotions. I think we give too much human emotion to God itself. Sure. Um, so I don't believe that God is. I think there is a. I would. I like to call it a catalyst in the universe. I believe that that exists. Um, and if you want to call it God, fine. 
Um, but I don't believe that there's any reason um, for anybody to die tragically. I don't believe that there's any reason for um, somebody, a mom and a daughter, to die on the way home from volleyball practice. I don't mm. believe that there's any reason so for a drunk driver to hit a walking pedestrian and kill them. I don't believe that there's any reason for somebody, which this is, you know, a, one of our friends was killed when I was in high school. He was... A victim of somebody just shot up a door and he happened to be hit by a stray bullet. There's no reason. There was no reason for any of that. Now, I think as humans, we go in and we apply reason because it helps us get through it. It helps us live through them. It helps us keep their memory alive. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Um, but I don't think beyond just dying peacefully in your sleep at 120 years old, that there is any reason for um, tragic death. I I just, I just don't believe it. I won't, and I won't believe that that's a, a beautiful. It should not be accepted in any way. And, I agree. And you know, and I guess that's just the stage of my life that I'm in. Um, I was raised up north in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I had never really been to a visitation or funeral ever until I moved to the south. Really? I w yes, and I was somebody who is like. I wanted to be cremated. I didn't understand why somebody would want to be in a graveyard. I thought that was very morbid. I thought embalming was fascinating. I loved embalming, but I also thought that was morbid. I didn't understand why anybody would want to do anything like that. And then I experienced the death of my best friend. Mm. And when I go home, she has a bench in a park, um, but there's no, she doesn't have a grave site. And so for me, I felt like you have this whole like, well, they're with you. Their energy never leaves. And I, I believe that because I feel her at different times and different things that happen. Sure. Um, but also I see the importance and the significance of a gravesite. I can appreciate it now where I did not appreciate it before. You know, and, and I hope that people are really, really listening because we do come from different spectrums yes. of life and everything. You being from Alaska and I being from Brookfoot Lake, uh, Tennessee right here. And also, so we've both been through tragedies. Yes. Insofar as your best friend and my mother. I lost my mother at 12 years old and also lost my uh, good friend and business partner uh, just a couple of years ago. And so it really makes you this, it makes you, I'm not trying to be dramatic about this, but it makes you really, really refocus on what matters to you mm -hmm. and what means something to you. And so far as like with myself, like I just really, when I, once I refocused after Clint's death, I really refocused on what matters to me mm -hmm. mainly and what really means something. Mm -hmm. And to me still right now, even right here sitting to this podcast is, you know, you and I have talked about uh, this, you know, not even with not even being mic'd up here is just appreciation for mm -hmm. things. And a lot of times it's deeper than you. It's deeper it than me. It's deeper than anything we could uh, say on this podcast, but you have these situations happen and you take them and you, you think on them and you meditate on them and you cry and you scream and you laugh or however you deal with the grief or whatever. 
And then eventually you just accept that this is how this is, or this is what was the message, what was the meaning or whatever. And I'm not even trying to water this down with December and the loss of her best friend and whatnot. But you really have to weigh it up to what it means to you. You do. And mm -hmm. to what significance it is to you in your life. And right. it makes you it makes you want to be a better person for them. Mm -hmm. And it makes you want to help. Uh, it makes you want to exist better as a person for them and for yourself mm -hmm. as well. And it's hard. It it's is. so hard. It's hard because you you may not meet anyone to where you can talk about this at length, or it may be a podcast. It mm -hmm. may be a song. Mm -hmm. It may be a parent. It may be a grandparent. It may be a, a fork in the road. I don't know. Mm -hmm. All I know is just I'm so thankful for December and for her allowing me to express myself through this and for her uh, expressing herself through this because this is not easy. It is not easy mm -hmm. at all. This is very hard to deal with and it's very hard to put into words how you feel and to uh, elaborate on this. But if you're out there and if you've lost your best friend or if you've lost your mother, your father, your grandparent or whatever, just understand that you're not alone and you can reach out to us through this uh, uh, Facebook page or through email or whatever because we want to help. We want to be a, uh, a beacon in the midst of whatever storm you've gone through or your anger or whatever you've been through. You know, we want to help, and I want to help, and I know December wants to help. So if we can help in any way, that is why we're doing this. We're doing this specifically for the fact of we're we empathize, we understand that death affects us all in different ways, and we are here to help you in any way we can. Absolutely. Um, just kind of going back to what you said about deciding, like, you know, how, basically how you want to carry on with your life, whether you want to be, you know, you want to apply meaning to their death, if that makes you feel better, or you want to be, you know, get into some kind of activism resulting on the death. I know for myself, I decided that I wasn't going to give reason to her death other than it was a horrible, shitty thing that didn't have to happen. That's right. So that's my, that it, I, there's no reason for her death. Um, good has come out of it because people have worked really hard to make it that way. Um, but in myself, what I decided to going forward was, um, especially within my art, like I, I feel like, I was raised by an empowered woman and I surround myself with empowered women. Um, but I wanted to make an effort to empower the other women in my life because I think a lot of, if we go, you know, to kind of domestic violence and things like that, I want so tragic too. very tragic. And I, I want the people in my life to feel empowered. So I do it through my art. I try to be an empowering example to others. And you do. You do. Well, thank you. I you appreciate do. that. Because I, I do work hard. I do work really hard to to embody what what I feel like what I want to be and what I want others to feel like they can be. So 
that was something that I decided I was like, well, this is how I'm going to process this. This is how I'm going to handle this. And you it's know, just, you know, and, and sometimes people may not know how to go about that mm-hmm. and they do need help. They do. They need Everybody needs someone help. to yeah. reach out that can steer them in the right direction. Right. It's not channel an easy that, thing. No. And you have to figure out where to channel that sadness and to channel that energy. And I know for me too, it changed the way I was in my relationships and with my friendships and with my family. Sure. Um, I'm somebody who, the minute that I think about someone, I shoot them a text. I pull over in the car and just shoot them a text or say, hey, I was just thinking about you. Just wanted to say hi. Hope you have a great day. To the listeners, please take what she's saying and run with it. Please take what yeah. she's saying. Pull over at the next, at the next gas station Pull over at the next rest stop. Pull over at the next stop sign. Whatever. Overpass. Do not put it off. Because that, yes. those people, a lot of times, need it the most. And you don't And there know. is a reason Yeah, that they come why. across their, your mind. Absolutely. I, I, I live by that. Since her death, I absolutely live by that. I make sure to tell... Um, I think it's important for me to express to my family and my friends, especially because like my friends, I, you know, I can't ever just have a friendship where we're not doing or creating something. I can't just have a friend I sit with. I'm always doing, we're always working on a project where I rope them into whatever my thing is that I'm doing next. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to socialize in a different way, but this is how I socialize. But you really do it in a very, in a very significant way, not a pushy way at all. And well, and it's just how I am. I even with my friends, you know, Bree, we would make videos, take pictures, do this. It was never just futzing around. We were always putting our energy somewhere. And so, I try to make sure, and I need to do it. I feel like I can always do a better job. But something that I try to be conscious of is letting the people in my life know, especially the people that I work with in whatever capacity. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the work that we do together. I am proud to make what we're making with you um you know what we're making as one i value your skills i value your opinion i value your place in my life and i think that that's i don't say it enough to the people that i love but i try to make a point of letting them know and i'm sure they're like yeah 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 whatever because after a while with your friends you just get you know you're like oh well you're just saying that because you love me kind of thing and i and i get that some of them may feel like that but i and maybe it's selfish on my part that it just makes me feel better but i want the people in my life to know that they're what they do and how they help me facilitate my art or my ideas or whatever it is is valuable to me. And I want to reinforce that just as you said, just as we first started recording earlier today of that appreciation, that appreciation is so significant. It is. And that people do not take the time to just say thank you for the people, the everyday people that are in their lives. So once again, just as she just said, I challenge you to, appreciate and take the time to tell the people you appreciate them for what they're doing, whether it's pumping gas, whether it's bagging your groceries, whether it's uh, cleaning your vehicle or whatever they're doing, let them know that you appreciate what they're doing because they need to hear it. They really do. So I thank you for that. 
Well, and that's something uh, that's something that I need to take into my own life as well, especially with people I don't know. Like I try to make a, an effort to do it with the people that I'm like personally involved with. But I really like your stance and how you handle yourself with with strangers, and I think that that's that's something that I can apply to my life. And I think this lesson that's probably the biggest thing that that changed for me with with death is is realizing how important it is to let people know and maybe they don't receive it all the way or maybe they don't believe it and that's fine but I think that it's important to speak your feelings and your truth to the people that matter to you the most I agree and 100% even if they don't aren't receptive to it or whatever I think it's just to me that's the biggest thing that I've that has changed in my life since since Bree's death is that I just make a huge effort to do that. You know, and they may not even understand at that very right. moment, but they may come to you whether it's two months, two weeks, six months, mm -hmm. whatever, and then they say, December, you have no idea how much that impacted me or under, you know, I understand that. And that is the big deal that we're really trying to push across here is that, is that you know, death is just... It's, it's so random yeah. a lot of times, but at times you know it's coming, whether it's, you know, someone has cancer right. or, you know, something that is, you know, it's it's non-curable. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you literally have to understand that it's going to come. It's going to happen. And so those things, there's no monetary value that can be set on, uh, that can be replaced with your words or your... Uh, the things that you're saying to them and your mm -hmm. appreciation for them or your thankfulness mm -hmm. or whatnot. So with what we're saying here is just, just be thankful all in all. Mm -hmm. Be appreciative of those things, regardless of how insignificant or, or, or how significant you think they may be. They may really be uh, very significant on, another, uh, on a whole other level. Like to you and I, a garden... And I'm saying this at random, or I'm saying this like a garden may not be very significant, but to a person that's 95 or 85, it may be very significant that you say, oh, Miss Martha or Mr. John or whatever, mm -hmm. your garden is beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, because they are putting so much effort and so much time because they know, they know that they have a very uh, short amount of time left right. that that is very significant to them it is and you know um after Bree died i witnessed the um the death of a of one of greer's family members she came on hospice and um lived with us until her death and um that was a whole other lesson in itself i i loved her you know, I, I was not super close with her and that I knew the details of every aspect of her life, but we always got along really well. And it was a very sad thing. It's a very sad thing to watch somebody, um, die of cancer. Um, it's a insidious, mm -hmm. insidious right. disease. Um, but this was another big takeaway, um, that death has taught me is that, um, you are truly, this you are truly alone in death and it made me realize how important um i and i don't think that you should just marry people to marry people but it made me realize how important companionship is oh it's very important it's very important um and i decided that 
um, if anything, marriage or companionship or whatever you want to, whatever it is for you, it is not, at the end of the day, I really don't believe it's about the life that you lived or are living. It's about that person being there with you at the end. I agree. And I think, I think that dying without somebody there that is your husband, your girlfriend, your wife, your lover, whatever, without that, it's a very lonely death. Mm. Um, and here's why, because either they're helping you cross over into that, that's your partner, that's your life partner. And then when they die, their death, there are, their death is already like, they're kind of alone, but they're already know, like they're going home to you, whatever that is, whether that's heaven, whatever you want to call it. I think that long-term relationships are so, so important. And I think that your relationship with your children is the next most important thing. Um, I think that your death, and I'm kind of like not articulating this super great, but I think that your death is a direct reflection of your life. Unless, and this is, I mean... I completely agree you know, with that. I think it's a direct reflection of your life. It's it's a reflection of the life and the relationships that you had. And I watched somebody with not great relationships with their children have a very emotionally tormented, slow, agonizing death. Oh, my. Um, and I watched how the hurt of how children are hurt by their parents or, or unable to forgive their parents for whatever it is. I watched how that affected this person's crossing over into the other side. And it made me realize that your relationships with your family, whether that's blood or chosen family is probably the most important thing you can work to maintain. It really, really is because if you don't have somebody there to hold your hand at the end, if you don't have a husband or a wife or a lover or whatever there to hold your hand at the end, the other people will be your children. And mm. if you don't have a good relationship with your children and their days before you die coming to the house just to tell you how horrible you were to them, what kind of death is that? I, know, I just, it, it changed God on a whole nother level. It changed everything for me. It, it like with uh, being directly affected by Bree's death on my, you know, on a very personal level and then watching somebody else die on a not personal level, it really clued me into, um, what is the most important. And, and I have decided that like, I don't think people should just be or marry people to be with somebody. Sure. But I do think that having a relationship, a, a partner, I think having a life partner is so important and I think maintaining a good relationship with your children and your family members is is right under that. You I know, really and do. just for everyone listening, just understand, listen to her words and listen to what she's saying insofar as if you're not sure of your relationship or you're not sure of if you've told the person that you're with how you appreciate them and how you, uh, or if there's something that you want to talk about that maybe it's not what quite you want it to be. Like be open, be, be, be vocal, you know, very much be open. 
And so I can appreciate everything December just said because for for a lot of different reasons, for a lot of different people, it's not easy to talk about these things. For me, it is. And I'm not, I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. But for me, like, I'm very vocal. I'm very honest. I'm very uh, brutally honest to some degree. And uh, that's something that uh, December and I, like, we love about one another is she's very, very transparent. She's very vocal about things and uh, we never know when our last day may be so if today was my last day and I'm saying this strictly theoretic if today was my last day I would be very happy I would be very appreciative of the things that December and I are talking about and the things that she has allowed me to express and the things that she has expressed and so just really try to just think about this to uh on a whole nother level of just be thankful, be thankful on a whole nother level to the people that have impacted you in their, uh, in their lives and what you have shared. Like if someone has taught you a lesson about something, be it, uh, monetarily or whether it's emotional or whether it's, uh, you know, just anything, just tell them, just pull them aside and say, look, uh, I thank you for what you've showed me this. And I thank you for what you have, uh, um, explain this to me or whatever because truly we are not promised another single day and so we have to really live uh i hate to say carpe diem because it sounds so cliche but what we really have to live that way to where we seize the day and that we were really thankful of every single small thing or what regardless of how big we think it is or how small we really have to be appreciative of every single situation that we find ourselves in and i am so thankful of just today of uh the uh what is today like the 17th if yep. i'm not mistaken like the 17th yep. of just today of february i am so thankful to where december has set aside this time to where she and i can talk about things and we can elaborate on things to where we can come to a point of where we hope that we are expressing that you are not alone out there, to mm -hmm. where you are not by yourself, to where if your family, if you feel like your family, you cannot talk to your family, you can talk to us. So I want to put my email out there right now. Like my email, my personal email is durick79 at gmail.com. That is D U. R-I-C-K-79 at gmail.com. If there's questions you have, if there's uh, things you want to express, like feel free to drop me an email, please. I would appreciate that. And I'm sure December is going to do the same, but you're not alone in this. And that is why we're doing this. We're not persuading you to feel a certain way. We don't have a political agenda. We do not have a spiritual, you know, whatever agenda. We're just simply getting together, having conversations and recording them and putting these across on this septic tank. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for your time. We thank you for listening. Um, and that is just what we want to do. We just simply want to have a conversation. If there's more you want to talk about, please send us an email, and I'll let December elaborate on that. Yeah, um, you can. Uh, we've got Derek just dropped his email. We have the septic tank podcast at gmail.com also set up. We've got the Facebook page as well. You can always comment, shoot us a message. Um, any way you want to connect with us, we're very open to it. And like he said, any questions you have, um, we're always willing to dive into these topics. And uh, 
I think they're, you know, important to discuss and you're not always going to agree with our opinions and sure. our ideas. And understand we're not here to, to criticize. Absolutely we're not here to not. criticize absolutely. and to point the finger and cast judgment and all. Like, we are very open and very uh, just open. I mean, that's really the word. We're very open to the discussion of what your point of view may be or what your perspective or opinion may be. Absolutely, absolutely. And that concludes uh first episode of deep talks with Derek here on the septic tank um, thank you guys for listening I know this was a long one but we covered a lot of really great topics um, and again feel free to reach out to us send us messages let us know what you think and uh, we'll catch you all next time thanks for listening <laughs>